Hello, my name is Jody Lima, and welcome to Dream Gardens, where we talk up the children's books we love. On this twice-monthly podcast, posted on the first and third Monday of each month, I interview other kids' books enthusiasts about their own favorite children's books. Today, I'm going to be interviewing Mija Godfrey. Uh, she's a founder of Jambo Books, which is a book club that specializes in multicultural books. And we're going to be talking about the book Listen Slowly by Teng Ha Lai. This is actually the second book uh, by Teng Ha Lai that a person has highlighted in uh, the Dream Gardens podcast. Back on January 2nd in 2019, I talked to author Rebecca Caprara about uh, Teng Ha Lai's first novel, Inside Out and Back Again. So you might want to check that one out after listening to this. Uh, but first, like always, we're going to start with a poem, uh, this case a very short poem, uh, title of which is About the Teeth of Sharks, and it was written by John Charty. About the Teeth of Sharks The thing about a shark is teeth, one row above, one row beneath. Now take a close look. Do you find it has another row behind? Still closer. Here, I'll hold your hat. Has it a third row behind that? Now look in and look out. Oh my, I'll never know now. Well, goodbye. My guest today is Misha Godfrey, co-founder of Jumbo Books. You can find Misha's website at www.jumbobooks.com. Uh, thank you for joining me today, Misha. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you. As I mentioned, you're co-founder of Jumbo Books. Can you talk a little bit of what exactly Jumbo Books is? Absolutely. Jumbo Books is a children's book subscription service. We send our members two to three books each month that star children of color as the stars of their own stories. All of our stories are fiction stories that try to highlight the joy of childhood, the richness of childhood in, in stories that kids growing up in the United States would, would recognize and in environments that they would recognize. Uh, we serve kids from ages birth through to 13 and uh, our subscribers get between two and three books a month. They come in what we call our jam art boxes because we work with artists all over the world who create this gorgeous art that also celebrates childhood. And we decorate our boxes in that art. Oh, very nice. Very nice. And where did the idea uh, for this um, company come from? What the genesis of it? Well, it was sprang from need. My oldest child was getting a book subscription service from her grandfather, and the books that were sent were all of a certain time period, written about the 1940s, 1950s. And while they are classic books, and we enjoyed a lot of them, they were just sort of relentlessly all the stories of one, one demographic, and they were just all white children. And we already live in a neighborhood that's, that wasn't terribly diverse. And so we were just thinking, we've got to get some different books into her hands. And when we were looking for books, a lot of times the books that starred children of color occurred in other countries. And we wanted our children to know that they can bloom where they're planted, that they belong right here. So we really tried to focus on finding books that occurred in environments that would be familiar to them so that 
you know, they could see, oh, I belong here. I belong everywhere. No one can tell me to go back anywhere because this, this is my home. And so once we started stacking these books, we thought we would share them with other families who wanted to give their children both a mirror and a window. And how long has the company been uh, around for now? Uh, we started in May 2018. So we are coming up on our second year in May of this year. Hmm. And what kind of feedback have you gotten so far from people who've uh, opted to participate in Jumbo Books? Uh, we've gotten very, very positive feedback. It's been really, really heartening. Um, I was concerned that people would only want books that reflected their particular demographic. But what's been really great is that folks have really embraced getting books about all different children of color coming from all different households, different family structures. And, you know, we've gotten very little um, pushback about sending those kinds of books. And also I've been surprised that a large minority of our subscribers are white families who are sending these books to their children to make sure that they also are exposed to the rich diversity of our country, and so that they also don't have to be taught to tolerate people who aren't like them, so that they'll actually expect and enjoy healthy inclusion. To give them a fuller picture of other people in the world outside of their own, you know, mm -hmm. community. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say it just sort of serves to radically normalize, you know, kids of color who might be cast in one light. Or another. Hmm. And what's your process for choosing uh, the books that you decide to put out in, say, a particular month? Sure. Well, I read a lot of books every month, and um, the the goal is to find fiction books. So, you know, we will blog sometimes about nonfiction books that we really like, but we don't send nonfiction. We rely on parents to decide when they want to introduce certain, you know, folks into their kids' lives. But we focus on fiction books that focus on sort of the normal magic of childhood, the love of fairies and of dragons, uh, of knights in shining armor, of time travel. We also have books where, you know, the kids are refusing to go to bed or brush their teeth or go to school. And, and, and that's really the focus to say, you know, look. Maria doesn't just celebrate El Dia de los Muertos. She also refuses to brush her teeth at night. Just like every other kid in the... <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and well, what sort of things do we have to look forward to in like 2020 and beyond? Oh, we've got such good books coming up. And honestly, I've been spending a lot of time recently reading books for the 10 to 13 year old set. So those are middle grade novels. I absolutely love them. We have some fantastic books that will be coming to our 10 to 13 year old subscribers in the coming year. And what we do for them is they'll get one novel and then the companion book is a nonfiction book that expands on some topic that was covered in the novel. So um, for instance, today we're gonna talk about Listen Slowly, this is about a Vietnamese American girl who goes to Vietnam with her grandmother searching for her grandfather uh, who was lost in the Vietnam War. And the 
the companion book we send is a 70 page uh, fully illustrated book that gives a brief history of the Vietnam War that's easily digestible for the 10 to 13 year old age set. Because for them, the Vietnam War is sort of like World War II or even World War One for the uh, for Generation X. And so it's important for them to sort of understand what are people talking about? when they're talking about the Vietnam War. So they get the historical context, and then the fiction book uh, provides sort of a human face to that history. Yes, exactly right. Mm. Exactly right. Mm. And the book you did pick for today, uh, as you said, is Listen Slowly by uh, Tain Ha Lai. And this was first published in 2015. Uh, for readers who haven't had the chance to um, read this particular book yet, can you talk a little bit of what it's about? Um, first, I just want to say thank you so much for pronouncing the author's name. I was terrified to have to try to do it. Um, so thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, so Listen Slowly is a coming of age story um, about sort of making peace with the past, understanding your roots and owning your own identity. Uh, the main character is this young girl who's 12. Her name is May and she lives in Laguna Beach with her parents. She has never been to Vietnam, although she can understand spoken Vietnamese. She tries not to identify too much with Vietnam because she feels like she is a Laguna Beach girl and that's it. But what happens is that her grandmother, who lives with the family, uh, lost her husband in the Vietnam War, but he was just declared missing. And so there was never any closure. And so at this time, there is there are some rumblings that someone knows something about what happened to her grandfather. And so May and her father are going to Vietnam with her grandmother to try to find out what happened. And May is left alone with her grandmother because her father does does operations on villagers who are having cleft palates fixed. So he leaves her and he goes off to the mountains. And so she's left with her grandmother and a whole lot of new relatives. Um, and so you sort of see her story of first just being furious and wanting to go home at every second and just go back and lay on the beach and chase the guy that she has a crush on. And you see her starting to appreciate and adopt her Vietnamese roots and really start to question, you know, what makes a good friend and what makes me me? And, you know, can I be from two places at one time? Hmm. When did you first uh, come across this book? Gosh, it was one of the first books that we sent to our 10 to 13 year old subscribers. So I'm going to say it was about the middle of last year. And uh, like you said, May is the main character in this book. It's actually first-person narrator, so it's entirely in her voice. And what is it about her that makes her a particularly compelling character to sort of take us on this journey of hers? Well, I think that she's very real. I like books where you can really feel the character come off of the pages. They talk like 12-year-olds that you know. They are very believable. And that's one thing I, I like about May. She also has a very strong sense of self. 
So she's able to joke about herself. She's able to say things like, well, you know, aren't I the the sweet Westerner who doesn't demand anything when she's demanding things, right? But she realizes um, some, sometimes that she's being ridiculous. As you mentioned, she's she identifies herself as this Laguna Beach girl, but the majority of the setting is in rural Vietnam. And I'm just wondering how do the author uses this idea because she thinks of herself as an outsider despite the fact that her parents come there she's kind of she's very much an outsider here and how does they help to for us to see uh the the country that she's going through through her eyes you're absolutely right it's wonderful getting the descriptions of saigon and hanoi through her eyes because although she lives in the United States and she lives in a modern city, it's nothing like the very tightly packed cities of Hanoi and Saigon. So she is completely shocked about how do you even cross the street because there are mopeds everywhere and cars and nobody seems to stop. And, you know, she learns from from her grandmother that you just don't look and you just sense when it's safe to go <laughs> and sort of make your way across the street. And she's always surprised when she does it successfully. But then it's also the countryside when she's in the rural villages. She talks about, you know, this place could be on a postcard or, um, you know, these houses are all, you know, made in a certain way where they're stacked on each other that she doesn't quite understand but you can really see where she is and 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 feel the heat and hear the mosquitoes all of all of the 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 details that she gives you about her surroundings yeah both the the pleasure she feels in the surroundings and the pain she sometimes experiences as absolutely well. yes yeah uh and so uh she's a you know second generation uh, American with all the conflicts that entails. In many ways, it's a very sort of uh, common story. She she loves her parents, in, 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 and she you know they talk a lot about Vietnam. But for her, she's from California. That's her world, and so there's this dis when, when she goes, there's this disconnect for her. Like I said, it's a for, it's somewhat a common uh, story for uh, children of immigrants that uh, you know there's this this sort of pull between you know um, their parents and where they came from and you know their their own identity and what they're trying to build for themselves I agree um, and and one thing that you can even expand on from that is that you know her parents like so many parents want to give their children a perfect world but for her parents that has required hiding their own stories from her she doesn't know how they arrived from Vietnam to the United States. She learned in the book, but she didn't know before then. And so but what those secrets mean is that she doesn't even know her parents as well as she wants to. So, you know, it, it makes us all ask you know, in a sort of universal way, how honest should parents be with their children about trauma in their own past? And, you know, how might that honesty change the parent-child relationship for the better or for the worse? Um, and I think that's something every family has to investigate. But I thought it was a very interesting aspect of the book. 
parents, you know, they, you know, Vietnam is something that's very much part of their hearts, but they sometimes, you know, it's something, it's, it's, it's a, it's a painful past at the same time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, May also, it's, it's interesting when she goes to Vietnam, she actually makes friend with a girl who's also, even though she's from Vietnam, she's kind of an outsider herself. And I'm, I'm, I'm not exactly sure how to say her name. I think it's Ut, but I'm, I'm probably saying that incorrectly. And I'm just wondering what does uh, this sort of meeting this, this, this strange girl who's sort of an outsider and even, even in her own community and what she brings to May and how she helps her out. Right. Well, as as you mentioned, I am not at all sure how to say Ut's name as well. And, and you know, I, I put specific emphasis on pronunciations in this book in particular, because when you read the book, you see how much emphasis is put on pronouncing the words correctly and whether it's a downward inflection or, or upwards. And, and there's so much emphasis put on, you know, using all of the right um, dialectical marks. And so I really want to be respectful of the language. I'm just sorry that I, I have very little, uh, very little familiarity with it, but yes. So um, she is fantastic because she is sort of like the rebel of the village you know, she allows her skin to get bronzed and tanned where everyone else tries to stay as covered as possible and in the shade so they can remain very fair skinned. She, you know, has this giant pet frog and it's super into frogs and flies and you're feeding her, her, her frog flies. And that is very different from the other things that the girls in the, in the village are into. And it also sort of has a secret in that she understands a lot of English, but she doesn't tell May because she thinks the way May speaks, what May calls her Tarzan Spanish, I mean, excuse me, Tarzan Vietnamese is really funny. And they do, they have personality clashes because they both are very strong girls, but what I think is great about it is you can juxtapose May's relationship with Ut with her relationship with Montana, who is her supposed best friend in Laguna Beach. And Montana's kind of sort of a mean girl, right? She is, you know, moving in on May's crush while May is gone. And she's posting the pictures all over Facebook and social media so that May, when she logs in, just sees Montana hanging out with him, which is how she refers to her crush. Um, and so you sort of have to ask yourself, you know, what makes a good friend? And how do you determine if your friendships are healthy or not? Because May does not think Montana is a wonderful person, but that's been, you know, her best friend for years. But now she's just met, uh, and although they have butted heads, they have come through some pretty harrowing situations together and have always had each other's back. And that is very different than her experience with Montana. Yes. It's, it's interesting that in the beginning of the book, you know, the biggest crisis in uh, May's life is this, uh, this, this boy she really likes and what's going on with that. And, and that's some comes less important uh, as she goes on, gets sort of a bigger picture of uh, the world around her. Absolutely. Right. 
Now, there's also kind of a uh, you touched on it a little bit earlier. There's this mystery at the center of the story: what happens to her um, her grandmother's husband, uh, which is kind of a, a sadly familiar story of uh, that particular time. What happened to individuals and families during the Vietnam War? Just talk a little bit about how that fits into this story because um, it it seems almost something on the side, but it's not real. It's a really important part of May's journey as well. Absolutely. You know, without sort of giving away what has happened to uh, her grandfather, I, I think it's really important that May is a part of the whole process. So, you know, she's a part of going to Vietnam with her grandmother, meeting all these relatives, of going back to her grandfather's old house, uh, which puts flesh on all of these stories that her grandmother has been telling her her entire life about her grandfather and and sort of how they met and where they lived and what they did. Um, it's also important because there are all of these side characters, like there's this detective and the guard who guarded uh, the grandfather when he was a prisoner. And you see the difference in how older Vietnamese people interact with each other, very formal, very polite. And then you can watch the different generations of Vietnamese people interacting. And they're all at sort of differing levels of that, of that level of politeness and formality in a way that it's just not the case in the United States. Right. So, you know, the, the older people are very verbose and, you know, may it's driving her crazy. She's like, why can't they just get to the point? But this is the culture. And this is the culture that she's starting to see that she's a part of and she likes and she respects and she's glad that she understands as much Vietnamese as she does because she's able to to become more immersed in what it means to be a Vietnamese American girl whose family came directly from Vietnam during a very difficult period in its history. Well, the author does a, a neat trick where um, uh, that may, even though she doesn't speak it well, she's able to understand it. And so she's able to relate the conversations uh, that we hear so we can sort of uh, get a sense of what's going on uh, through May's translation, because she, even though she can't always uh, say what's on her, you know, speak to other people, she can at least listen and understand and hear what's going on. Right. And, and it's a great trick, too, because people don't think she understands. So they are much more open in front of her than they would be in front of a 12 year old who they thought could understand every word. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot to ask you uh, earlier. Have, have you read uh, her first book, uh, Inside Out and Back Again? I have not read that one. It is on my list. Okay. Well, I did have a chance to read it, and it's it's. I just thought it was an interesting uh, contrast. And that one, there's a story, and I think it's very much um, the author's story. That's what I've read, and I think the forward uh the author's note in the book uh that uh, of a young girl uh during the war who had to leave the country and uh come to america and try to find you know try to adjust to not just moving to a new country but moving during very difficult traumatic circumstances and it just uh these books kind of fit together and giving uh sort of different you know 
points of view, you know, and, and inside out and back again of, of the, you know, you're coming from uh, Vietnam and trying to adjust. Yeah, she's going back and trying to adjust to to her parents' homeland. That's awesome. Question I often uh, ask with a lot of books, uh, and it, it struck me with this book as well, is is titles. I'm always interested in titles and uh, you know what they mean. This one has kind of an interesting title as well: "The Listen, Comma Slowly." And I'm just wondering, what does that title mean to you? I mean, why do you think it has this title, or how does it speak to you? I guess. Yeah, you know the the title spoke to me because. I felt like everything that was happening in the book was trying to encourage us to slow down and and to pay attention to everything around us in that in the context of slowing down. So so you know May has to slow down. She's rip-roaring a mile a minute. She wants to leave before she even gets there and over time, she realizes she just has to slow down. She has to go with it. She has to tuck and roll and really listen and absorb what's going on around her. I think the same thing even happens with her grandmother, who, Ba, and I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly either, but Ba is in a rush, even after 40 years, to find out what happened to her husband. And you know, there are points where she loses her temper and almost loses her chance to find out what happened, to find out if he's alive or how he died. And um, she also had to say, you know, if I could just, you know, take take the fire out of my hand when I slap this man, I, you know, she just needs to stop and slow down. And I think that that's, you know, sort of a message to all of us. But it really, really works well in the book. I was going to say, we could all uh, take some time to listen a little slowly as well. Yes. <laughs> now, is there a, a passage uh, from the book that you'd like to share? Uh, yes, there is. It's actually right in the very beginning of the book. I just think it's a great introduction to May and, and who she is in the beginning. Um, this is in chapter one. She is on the on the airplane with her father on the way to Vietnam. And she says, dad is waiting for me to turn toward him. Yeah, right. One little glance would encourage another diatribe about connecting with my roots. They're his roots, not mine. I'm a Laguna Beach girl who can paddleboard one-legged and live on fish tacos and mango smoothies. My parents should be thanking the Buddha for a daughter like me. A no-lip gloss, no-short-shorts 12-year-old rocking a 4.0 GPA and an SAT-ish vocab who is team leader in track, science, and chess. I should at least be able to spend the summer resting my brain at the beach. Instead, I get shoved on this pre-dawn flight. So that's the passage, and that is May in a nutshell at the beginning. But it's also, you know, she hasn't changed her entire personality. She is still sort of this energetic, wisecracking girl who is very self-aware, which is something that I think is pretty pretty refreshing. But that line about they're his roots and not mine, I think that's yes. probably one thing where she has a, a bit of change as she uh, goes through and realizes that the roots are not quite what she thought or a little bit deeper than she expected. 
Mm -hmm. And and I really love that because it's sort of a question of, you know, can you can you belong to more than one place? Um, Does that make you less American? And so, you know, these are questions people have to answer for themselves. I would certainly say for May that embracing her Vietnamese roots does not make her less of a Laguna Beach girl. Um, It makes her, I think, a more thoughtful person just because the culture there is is requiring kids to be more mature, more thoughtful, less caught up in things. Um, but I, I do think that it's important for everyone who straddles cultures in whatever way they do to ask, you know, can I belong in more than one place and still, you know, be authentically of both places? And the answers are sometimes uh, difficult and not always uh, easy. And it takes a lot of uh, talking and listening. Absolutely. Slowly. (laughs) Slowly. Well, uh, Misha, thank you so much for taking the time both to talk to me about uh, Jumbo Books and to talk to me about uh, Listen Slowly today. Oh, it was my pleasure. I love telling folks about this book. (laughs) You can find Misha's website at www.jambobooks.com. Thank you for joining me on Dream Gardens. The theme music, titled All Together, is provided courtesy of Purple Planet Music. You can visit them at www.purpleplanet.com. Podcast cover art was created through Canva, which can be found at www.canva.com. You can visit me at jleemont.com or follow me on Twitter at DreamGardensJLM. The Dream Gardens podcast is also available through iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. If you like what you hear, please comment, share, or subscribe. And if you'd like to participate in a Dream Gardens podcast, go to the contact page on my website and send me a note telling me who you are and what book you'd like to talk about. And until next time, keep dreaming, keep growing, and keep reading. Keep reading.